I am here with Dimitri, an old coaching client of mine. And Dimitri, man, you did the one-on-one coaching with me. And it was a pretty crazy couple of months. I'll read out some of the highlights from your weeks in the coaching. You met a girl who was a virgin and you guys had sex within something like three hours of meeting each other. You dated or slept with three girls in the two months when dating wasn't even your goal. That wasn't what you came to me for coaching. You started your own coaching business, which kind of was what you came to me for. You got paid 450 US dollars from one client alone. You started your own blog. You started your own YouTube channel. You found peace. And that's a big one. We're going to come back to that. You improved your social life. You started hanging out with friends a lot more and being less of a lone wolf. You learned how to be much kinder to yourself. That's a big one. You felt like you were part of a community, no longer the lone wolf. You started another 365 day project doing a video a day because you're a psychopath. You've done like two. This is your second 365 day project. And I think this is a big one. You became a lot more open and honest and vulnerable. So if you're to rate the three months of coaching that you did, rate yourself. If you're going to rate the, the, how you think it went, I think you did an A plus job, but how do you think you went? Yeah, I surprisingly, I didn't even think about all of the changes that I will make. I Mm -hmm. literally went there because I wanted support myself financially. I wanted to start a business and I didn't even know what. what Yeah, you had no idea what business you were just like, Andy, (laughs) I want to do a business. I don't know what to do. I know nothing. I don't even know what I'm passionate about. I don't even know how to approach this, like how to create uh, some ideas. So I basically started from that. And I definitely thought that would be my only focus for the three months. (laughs) And I didn't think I would do anything else. And what I got from it, all the mental changes Mm. were just something that will that I needed for a long time, for years already, that I just didn't know that I needed that. Mm -hmm. And this switch after to being more peaceful, more grateful, that was the huge part. And that, that is in my content now, that is in something that I try to give people as well, because (laughs) I found it in myself. That was, that was the awesome part. But just even to allow myself that I can stop controlling everything, that I can stop stressing about a lot of stuff. And I was stressing a lot of stuff before Mm -hmm. when I was thinking about business and thinking that I cannot support. I want a lot of things. I don't have them yet. All of this stuff. And I became just much more relaxed about it. Still taking I'd say action, you became still, a much more yeah. peaceful person, yeah. Yeah, it was it was probably the biggest change that I got in this month. And it's the when you first signed up, did you have any idea that that would be what we would work on? Mental peace and happiness. I had absolutely no idea. Yeah, and even after the only the first call, I had so many changes already. And over the next weeks, it just 
I mostly improved on my mental stuff. I went along with actions on my business, but what was really happening is I was just basically fixing my head in that way. Yeah, I think that was the that was what I needed actually to get at, from the from the beginning. Yeah, because was it the first call where we had the big speech where you you gave? Was that the first call? Yeah, yeah. motherfucker, what a big first call we had! Jesus, yeah. yeah. No, I do remember that call. I didn't know that it was the first call. I thought it was the second call. As soon as we finished that call, I went to my girlfriend and I said. Holy shit, I think that was one of the best calls I've ever had. And then I said, the pressure is on for me to keep that up like next week. <laughs> so I, I want to read out, this is a beautiful segue. I want to read out what you posted in the group after that first call. And for a bit of context, you had in the past gone through a long period of time with a lot of self-harm. Let's talk about that for a minute. So, you know, how long did you self-harm for? Because I know there's a couple of guys on the on our forums who self-harm as well, and I think they probably get a lot out of this. What was the self-harming like? What was your headspace like? And how did you start working through that and getting to a point where you could heal yourself? This was, By the way, this was like before the coaching. Let's make that clear. Yeah, it was probably right now four or five, probably five or six years ago even. Uh, it was... It was my period after i finished my college and i just had ups i was absolutely al alone and i didn't know what i could even do i had absolutely no idea that i can change my life at that moment and so i was i think this self-harm period came when I just wanted to be part of something. So I found this weird subreddit that were discussing all of this stuff. And I was like, oh, I, I'm going to be a part of this now. And I I guess I, I don't remember exactly where, how it all happened. It, it's all kind of blurred. Hmm. But yeah, I just... It, it's just got into my head. Like there were there was this community that existed and I was feeling so bad. I was a lot, I had a lot of depressive periods when I just were, stayed at home and basically didn't, didn't want to wake up even. I was just sleeping all of the day. I couldn't, I didn't want to stand up from my bed. And I, I didn't go to work that I had at that time. I just skipped it at that because I was feeling absolutely miserable at that moment. And I guess this, that self-harm, it, at that moment, it gave me at least some sense of belonging to some group, something, some, something unique, something that was about me. And I, yeah. I just didn't know that something else was possible. And I think it got, uh, I think I was doing that for maybe half a year, something like that. It was going on like the, this self-harm period. So mm. it wasn't like completely extreme that I was almost on the brink of, uh, like there was no harm to my life. Never, no, 
no danger to that. But uh, I got really heavily into pain. I was cutting my shoulders there. And at the start, I was really just afraid of of it. But over time, I just got into and it was something probably the only thing that I even liked in my life at that time. And it was, it, it was the, it, it was a bit scary looking back at it because I didn't even want to get out. I just wanted to continue because that was something that gave me a purpose almost. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. What and made you stop? That's I remember a couple of things that happened, like my parents noticed that because I just stopped being at the start. I was careful. I was afraid of that. And after a while, I just didn't care anymore. And that was the huge hit to me. Mm. And also, I think I started... I think there was some some action that I started started doing. So the huge problem at that time was I was completely missing dating life. I was uh, that was the my, my most important obsession at that time. So I mm-hmm. at that point I never held a girl's hand at that time, and that was something that really hurt me. And I think I started doing something about that, actually. And uh, that caused me to switch from this. I was doing a really bad job at uh, at the start because, of course, I didn't know what exactly I would. I feel like we I, all do I, a I needed job to at do. the start. Yeah. So there was a couple of girls that were just in my in my life. And I guess I just started thinking that, okay, I I at least can do something about it. At least can, there was something inside me that was telling that if if I just continue with this self-harm, it doesn't really help me. Because at that time... It doesn't lead anywhere good. Yeah. And this sense of belonging to community, it just diminished it didn't give me as much as i wanted so at the start it was always it was something unique it was something that i needed but over time i realized that it's not what i actually wanted and i guess like there were a lot of things i get i think that got into me stopping this self-harm I think I gradually reduced it, but I don't remember again. It's, it's a little bit blurry, but I do remember that after that time in a couple of months after I stopped, I got into my first relationship. So there I did something uh, there to just refocus my mind. And there was a lot of pain at the start because with all of my actions, I only got rejections at, at me because 
of course I wasn't doing a good job and it was completely awful. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that was that's that got me out of it. Just actually starting to believe that something can be changed, even though I didn't even think in those terms that at that moment. Yeah, it's like you're pulled to a, a higher power. A, a lot of the time, you know, when people get into self-harm, it can be incredibly scary at the start because it's like, why the fuck am I doing this? Like you almost don't understand it. It's almost like some dark thing that your body or your psyche is making you do and you don't quite understand why you're doing it. Like, but you just know that it gives you something. You're not sure what it is. In your case, it's a sense of, as you said, like belonging or like part of a community mm -hmm. or like a purpose. For other people, it's a relief. For other people, it's I can finally feel something. At least the pain is something. It's better than nothing. So it is getting you something. And, and I think one of the first steps to working through self-harm is to admitting to yourself, okay, I'm not fucked up. There's not something wrong with me that's making me self-harm. Like I am doing this because it is serving a purpose. It is me trying to get something or my, my, my brain or my psyche or whatever is trying to get something, whether that's peace, whether that's feeling something, whether that's community. So whatever I'm trying to get, let me figure out what that is. And obviously there's resources for this. You know, if anyone is in the same situation, please reach out to me. I'm sure Dimitri would happily answer your questions on his YouTube channel, but please reach out to somebody or a psychologist or a friend or a counselor or something and get them to help you or get us to help you figure out what it is that you're trying to actually get from the self-harming and then figure out ways that you can get that with a, a healthier way. In your case, it's like, okay, what if I just try and get a relationship? That's what I'm trying to get here. Some sort of like sense of belonging. What if I get that? That could be friends. I could be dating, could be, you know, a community, but yeah, I love that transition, man. Do you want me to read out the great quote? Yeah. Okay. So with all of that context, and I really appreciate you sharing, by the way, I really do. I really appreciate you being open and vulnerable with that. And again, if anybody is out there in the same sort of situation, please fucking open up, just leave a comment or send me an email or send Dimitri a private message or something, please. But on our first coaching call, you know, you told me some of that and you'd already told bits and pieces, I think in the Facebook group and Basically, you came to me with all these hopes and aspirations and dreams and all this exciting stuff that you said, I need to do. I have to do all this. Like you had something to prove. And I said to you, and I say this to a lot of my coaching clients, no, you don't need to do anything. You're allowed to do things. You want to do things. You get to do things. It's a bonus. It's a gift. It's a privilege. Self-improvement is a beautiful fucking bonus, but you don't have to do anything. And I gave you this long speech, which I can't fully remember, but it was a good speech. I remember it being a very passionate speech. It's like a 15 minute speech. And one of the things I said in there was, you've already proven everything you need to prove. Like the fact that you went through this depression and this self-harm and you hadn't even held hands with a woman and you overcame that, all of this stuff, the fact that you didn't hurt yourself or kill yourself or any of that, that means you won. And again, I can't remember the speech, but it was this big long speech. But you posted a couple of days later in the Facebook group, in the coaching group. And, you know, I've already asked your permission. I'd like to read this out because I think this is really fucking powerful. I think anyone else out there listening who's been through some sort of depression or a dark period in their life, or maybe you've gone to jail like I did or depression like I did or self-harming like Dimitri. And I think we don't give ourselves credit when we make it through those periods. People who tend to go through something dark like that, 
often put all this pressure on themselves afterwards of like, oh, I got to go and make a lot of money. I got to have an amazing dating life. I got to find a relationship and love and do this and do that. You put all the pressure on yourself and you don't realize, wait, the fact that I'm even alive is something pretty special. Or the fact that I didn't just go to a really even more dark place, the fact that I'm okay is something to be grateful for. So this post that you wrote, you said, Andy, I was remembering what you said to me last time. You said you beat depression, you beat suicidal thoughts, you didn't kill yourself, you won. You don't have anything left to prove after that. You already proved it. And you went on to say, it didn't affect me much during the call. But these words, I just couldn't let go. They kept appearing again and again, and I felt that there was something there. I re-listened to you saying that part of the coaching call. I broke into tears. I listened tens of times more for the last two hours, switching back and forwards between crying and repeating, you proved it, to myself in the mirror. I didn't realize that it was so deep inside. I thought I was over that pain and never looked back. But all I did was to bury these feelings. I was terrified to notice them again. It will take more repetitions to fully process all of this. But now I feel lighter. I think it is the only time... Sorry, I think it is the only thing I needed to hear from all of this. I'm assuming you mean all of this coaching. That I am enough. That I actually won. For someone who can truly relate and notice... Sorry, someone who can truly relate to notice and say this to me. I think these words are forever burned in my memory now. I was waiting for this moment for eight years. Everything after this is a bonus. That was a big fucking epiphany, my friend. Holy shit. Anything you want to add to that? That was week one, too. We started off pretty decent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't even know what I can add to that because, yeah, that was probably the thing that allowed me than to do all of this, all of the action, because otherwise I would have just, I was really obsessed at the first week and that was the switch that I needed. And yeah, like, like I said, for all of the years prior as well, because I always tried to prove something. And I, yeah, I think we talked about this before. It's like at the start, that's a good thing. Not that it's ever a bad thing, but at the at the start, mm-hmm. it serves a purpose, right? You go through the self-harm, or in my case, you go through the depression. You push yourself like crazy afterwards. You have all of these expectations. You have something to prove. You go absolutely crazy with your self-improvement and your goals, and you prove that thing. But then there's like a transition period that, that you know, you kind of want to get into, which is like, maybe I've proven enough at this point. Maybe I am enough. Maybe I've done enough. Now, I'm allowed to keep doing more. But I do want to hit the pause button and say, I've done a lot. This is more than I thought I would ever be able to do. This is something unfathomable to me when I was, you know, back in my self-harming days. I never thought I could ever get to this point. And that was something that, you know, we also worked on with the coaching was getting you to pause and take breaks and actually reflect and say, you know what? I've done a lot. Like, let me give myself credit because I think you definitely struggled with that. You put a lot of pressure on yourself. Yeah, yeah. The, I started a lot of things that allowed me to just notice the things that the progress that I was making. These journals that I started doing, these reviews that I did every day, that was really helpful to even notice 
because I was sometimes I just reread something that happened in the last week and I cannot even remember what to say about the last months or something. Yeah, in self-improvement, we tend to just push ourselves like crazy and we don't reflect. And so if anyone doesn't know what you're referring to, you posted in the Facebook group twice a day with like, here's what I'm doing, here's what I did yesterday, like a reflection to make yourself slow down. Like how much did that help being able to share that stuff? No, definitely that was probably the most important part that Mm. that I really needed to, even if it's not... Even if it will not cause someone to respond, just to notice that, just to being able to share my thoughts, my mm-hmm. ideas, it's it's just uh, something that allowed me to express. Uh, that was my my first attempt at expression, probably. Uh, just to you share. You struggled with because, it too at the start. Uh, yeah, I I was on forums. I was posting like a couple of reviews there. It was usually weekly, monthly reviews before, but it was like I was somewhere. I didn't think specifically, I didn't post them for anyone to read. I was posting them for myself and here in the small group, I knew that I'm posting like if there is something there, people will tell me. Yes, yes, yes. That was much more, I would say, vulnerable for me because I... Like intimate almost? Yeah, personal, personal, yeah. yeah. Mm. I don't think I had trouble with sharing a lot of stuff like from fear of something, but I didn't feel the need at that time. And I definitely didn't think, uh, I really thought that I would be just distracting everyone by posting that, that much. And, but it was still really useful. And after I realized that it's actually a good thing when, when other people posted as well in the group and I could help as well and just uh, have some reflection from everyone, from someone who posted posts as well. So it, it, does it is really helpful for everyone but at that time i thought okay i'm gonna just ask for permission and at least do that for myself and it was really what 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 i was needed at the start as well so just just to reflect just to be able to express all of my feelings all of my thoughts Because you very much had something that a lot of guys have when they join my coaching programs. And I think a lot of the audience will have this as well, which is that like lone wolf mentality of like, I can't be a burden. I think especially guys tend to have this. I can't be a burden. I can't ask for help too much. I can't post in the Facebook, you know, in the coaching program in the group too much because I'll be burdening everybody else. I don't want to waste everybody else's time. You even... You even went through, I laugh because we can laugh now that we're on the other side of it. You even went through this period, little mini period where <laughs> where you were like, I don't deserve to be here in this group. I'm wasting everybody's time. I, who am I to think that I deserve to be in this group amongst all these amazing people? Like, I'm not good enough. You, 
And I laugh because like, you know, we're on the other side of it now, but that's like really common, man. You have no idea how many other guys have said, I don't feel like I deserve to be here amongst the other people. I myself, back in the day when I was on the Good Looking Loser forums, I didn't feel like I deserved to be there. I was terrified. They were, <clears throat> excuse me. I was terrified they were going to kick me out. I thought I'm not cool enough to be here. I'm a loser. These people are all cool. They have money. Some of them are rich. They have plenty of women in their life. I have none of that. I'm just some like skinny fat loser. They're going to kick me out. So it's a lot more common than we think. But yeah, that's one of the things that I, I find comes up so often, man. And that's such a big part of what I coach, especially guys on. It's like, hey, just give yourself permission to be sitting at the table with the rest of us. Give yourself permission to go for these goals. Give yourself permission to ask for what you want. A lot of guys really struggle to literally just ask a woman, hi, would you like to get a drink with me? Because they think they don't deserve to. They think they're not good enough. They think they're not ready or now's not the right time or they have to, you know, lose weight first or do this. It's, it's, it's such a common thing, man. But you definitely had that like lone wolf syndrome where you were like, I don't deserve any of this. And as we said to you, it's like, mate, even if you don't deserve it, just do it anyway. Like, what, it, what does it mean matter if you don't deserve it? It's like, just do it anyway. Like, we want you to be doing it. We like you in this group. Just hurry up and do it. So it's more common than you think. Yeah. And yeah, that that breakdown, that... Uh, that breakdown. That, yeah. It was such a short yeah. breakdown. But I know it was a very fucking intense breakdown for you at the time. Yeah, I had a lot of paranoid thoughts. I thought I couldn't trust myself and that message in the group was just the last uh, attempt of taking uh, getting some help before i would totally lose control and i would totally like just stop existing or something <laughs> like it was it yeah, was really for, intense for, in that moment yeah for anyone listening for context basically you had been working yourself to the bone and not really taking time off and not relaxing and i had told you several weeks in a row i was like hey man like just letting you know that most people who do this in my coaching program have a breakdown, which is why I'm pushing you to have time off and relax and remember to enjoy the process. And this is meant to be fun. Stop beating yourself up. But even as I tell you all that, it's okay if you have a breakdown, everything will be okay. And you were like, what makes you think I'm going to have a breakdown? Why will I have a breakdown? I'm not going to have a breakdown. And I was like, well, you know, you might, you might not, but it'll be okay if you do. We're all here for you. And then like two weeks later, you're like, fuck, help. I'm having a breakdown because I'm working myself too hard. And that's again, such an incredibly common thing. I I think a big part of it is because people pay so much money to be part of the coaching program. They know that it's only for a certain amount of time. And we put a lot of safeguards in place. But for a lot of guys, it's almost like a, and Cam even said this to you, it's it's almost like a, a norm. I don't want to say it's normal because I don't want to like encourage people to have a breakdown. But at least for me, the number of breakdowns that I've had over the last like five years, and they're not like a full on fucking psychotic breakdown, you end up in a psych ward or something, but like just an emotional breakdown where it all comes out, you're crying, you're like, what am I even doing this for? I'm never going to make it like all of the stuff that you've been bottling up finally comes out. And I find especially in a supportive group, like the coaching program where everybody's obviously so fucking kind to you when you have a breakdown, like everybody is so goddamn nice. I feel like for a lot of guys, maybe it was for you too. It's the first time you've ever actually been that fucking vulnerable, especially with other men. And to just completely say for a moment in time, I'm helpless. Because I don't think as men, we ever really say that. I think women are much more comfortable saying, I'm helpless, help me. But guys just like, you think you're going to die if you ever say, help me. Like, 
that seems like death. And to have those little moments in time where, and again, your breakdown was only for a couple of days, like for a day or two, to have those little moments in time where you're truly helpless and you see that other people are like, it's okay, we got you, you'll be fine. Come on, buddy, just like pick yourself up. We're here for you. Like how, had you had that in your life? Because I know for me, I had a couple of breakdowns in the good looking loser days on the forums. I'd never had that kind of like emotional breakdown, especially not with other men and having them be there for me and just know that like, oh, they actually give a shit. It really switched in my brain. I went from that like lone wolf guy who's always doing everything by himself. I switched to like, oh, this is a collaboration. Like these people are helping me. Was it that for you? Yeah, it definitely allowed me to, I think probably for the first time in my life to ask for help that's directly to be that vulnerable, to show that, yeah. to show all, all of that. And yeah, I, I could do all of that because I just didn't have anything of mine. I, I thought I didn't have anything of mine left to support. So even reaching out to someone seemed like a more trustworthy uh, thing to do. But looking back at it, it was it was a really important this switch in me, which allowed me to ask for help. I I couldn't before, and for now it's not that big of a problem. And I I received a lot from it as well, just a lot of support and seeing like all of my arguments, all of my fears of not belonging that I expressed there were actually just my thoughts at that moment. And when I saw people's responses and your response to it as well, I just realized that reality reality was different it was me who was just uh, thinking that everything breaks apart and actually yep. yeah it was only a couple of days when i wasn't being i haven't been able to do a lot of stuff and that was for me i recovered from it uh, I, it was a funny moment when i just almost uh, learned how to speak with myself how to manage my expectations how to reason how to just make compromises with something that i wanted to do so i wouldn't have i i had almost like a panic attacks after that when i thought about something big to do so all this time from the start from the couple of days before this and after it it took about a week but this intense period yeah it was a couple of days and just still realizing that it's not that big of a deal over the course of life and that may happen and that's that life still goes on and nothing nothing really bad happened and i think i got two really huge things out of that out of that experience firstly it is asking for help it mm. it it's, was probably the most important thing. And the second, I stopped being afraid of my breakdowns. I stopped being afraid of these periods uh, in time that I, I really was afraid before. I was trying to escape that mm, because I don't know. I, I don't even know what I was afraid of, of 
It's almost like you're afraid uh, of your own emotions. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, yeah. I just didn't know what would happen. And after that. I think that's pretty common, especially for guys. Again, it's, it's the way I, and this is what I, I kind of gently warned you about it you know, a couple of weeks and the number of times, dude, the number of times with a coaching client, I have like gently warned them like, Hey, listen, I can't predict the future. But in my experience, when a guy goes as crazy hard as you are every single second of every day, he eventually has a breakdown. Now I can't guarantee you will have a breakdown, but you might. So here's what I recommend you do to avoid that. The number of times I've had that conversation and then they have a breakdown and I go, Hey, remember we knew this was going to come. Remember we talked about it. So here's what we're going to do now. Like, it's just such a common thing in, I think, men's self-improvement, particularly probably our community. I think our guys and girls push themselves like fucking crazy. And I try and balance that with so much stuff about peace and happiness and enjoying the process and all of that. But I definitely saw you as someone who was so unbelievably hard on yourself. And you were like, a you, here's the brick wall. And you were just coming closer and closer. And then I, I can't know the future, but I really did think you were going to hit the brick wall. And then, yeah, you did. And I think it was almost like a metamorphosis for you. It was like a butter, like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. You came out of that so much more peaceful. And you remind me of another guy that I did an interview with. Um, I can't remember if I said his name in the interview, so I'll keep him in anonymous. No, I did. His name is Harry. Um, I did a podcast with him, same shit. He went through not a full on breakdown, but like almost a breakdown and came out of it just like so much more peaceful and just chill and relaxed. And I've seen that with so many coaching clients where it's like the caterpillar becomes the butterfly. You know, I think it was ultimately a really, really, really healing thing for you, but it definitely was like, I think it was a long time coming. I think it was. Cause if you avoid and bottle up emotions for long enough, yeah, they fucking come out. Like your body eventually just goes, I can't just keep keeping this inside. Like this has to come out. So big transformation there. Should we talk about the stuff that people will want to hear about? Sex. People want to hear about the scandalous (laughs) stuff. Sex, money, business. And then we'll come back more to the the peace and happiness stuff because you know that's what I care about and I know that's what you care about. But we'll give the people what they want. So you... (laughs) Dating was like not even remotely what you were trying to work on. In fact, when you first came to me, you were like, I don't want to do any dating shit. I'm like not using Tinder. I'm not using dating apps. I'm not going to talk to women. I just want to do business. Like that's all I want to do. And then you accidentally slept with two girls in, sorry, three girls in two months. And one of them was, and within that, and we'll talk about this in a second, within that, I think you worked a lot more on your intimacy and your vulnerability and openness and definitely your honesty with women. I think that was incredibly huge. We'll talk about the the one woman in a second. Uh, T is T, isn't it? T. We'll mm. call her T. Okay. But before that, you you had a really cool experience. You met a girl and she happened to be a virgin. And you guys had sex within something like three hours or something. And I remember that just like blowing your mind. You were like, how is this even possible? And you really liked her. You liked the dynamic of like mentoring her and going really slow and teaching her about sex and all of that. So walk us through that. How does one, without even really meaning to, meet a girl who's a virgin and have sex with her a couple of hours later? Like, how does that happen? And don't say <laughs> luck. Although I guess it was kind of luck, wasn't it? It's just a numbers game, but. Yeah, that I 
over the time i realized that luck is just me showing up and eventually something like that lots of happen. times yep. yep yeah uh, but yeah that was that was basically it after after having some yeah after realizing that dating is actually something i cannot ignore at that time and mm -hmm. uh, i i just couldn't focus entirely on something else. Like I needed this balance in my life. I started being more honest on, on Tinder. I was just writing everything that I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And I started getting a lot of these responses that were really honest. And I guess that was, that's what allowed me to find someone that open to, mm -hmm. to like just because there was a lot of concerns on the app. There were a lot of things that I had to be patient and to talk about. And before I wouldn't have had patience. And yeah. And and after I started just being and the real being, just talking about the stuff that I wanted. And, and to be clear, you, when you say being honest, you mean like being honest about the fact that you wanted casual sex? Yeah. Uh, about that, about that I want something ongoing as well, and mm -hmm. I still want to keep to keep in touch after that, and I want to build connection as well, mm -hmm. and all of this stuff. And just even asking them if they didn't like something that I said, I was asking them that, what do you search for? And that turned out into a couple of dates. And one of them was this girl as well. And, and that vulnerability was really difficult for you at the start, wasn't it? Like just actually saying what you wanted. It's you saying, Hey, yeah. can I have this? Am I allowed to have this? It's you basically asking the universe, am I allowed to have this thing? And for extra context, for anyone saying, oh, it's really hard to get, you know, dates and have sex in conservative countries, you're in motherfucking Serbia, one of the most conservative countries, like, holy shit. And so, yeah, you did really well. But back to the story, this woman, honesty, having a few dates. Yeah. Uh, for this particular girl, we just, we just met in a cafe and it was almost that we connected on this like this approach to life this uh, positive thinking that i developed at that time this just sharing yourself and giving out to people because she was like that as well and i guess we just really connected on that and being really fond of each other and i just basically made the moves and uh, took initiative, just asked for going to my place. Then I didn't even think about sex at that time. I just, I was just okay with us going and not doing anything, like just sitting there in a more private uh, atmosphere. And yeah, but I was just kept, I just kept asking and she was, really happy with that and that's that's basically 
what I think that it was really a huge part of me just accepting any outcome and just being okay because you struggled with that in the past you know you yeah. talked about this at the start of the podcast you were someone that wanted to like control everything and you weren't like a controlling person with everyone else but it's almost like a frustration of like oh god damn it like no one's doing what i wanted like i have to make sure everything goes perfect i think that's pretty common but you became almost like a spiritual hippie you know halfway through the coaching and definitely by the end of it you were just like whatever happens will happen like everything is okay i'm just going to sit yeah. here and like meditate and like everything is fine and you definitely were like that with the dates you were on with women. You were a lot more like yeah. vulnerable and willing to just say like, hey, here's what I'm looking for. Is that what you want? And if they said no, you did a pretty good job of saying like, okay, what are you looking for? And you even had a couple of girls that had said no to what you wanted. And then when you asked them what they wanted, you were like, oh, well, that's, I could, yeah, I could have that. I'm okay yeah. with that. And I think that happens a lot in dating where people will say, I want this. Do you want it? The other person will say no. And they'll go, okay, well, fine. Bye. And they don't really follow up and say, well, wait, can we like, is there some overlap in what we both want? If I ask you what you want, maybe it is also what I want, but I just assumed you didn't want what I wanted. So there's a lot of like miscommunication in dating and you definitely worked through that. And we're a lot more like honest and vulnerable than you'd ever really been in the past. Yeah that especially here especially being in serbia where mm. people just are not from my experience at least it was not that common to be open to something but the traditional stuff yeah like conservatives conservative full yeah and monogamous relationships yeah and even all of the concepts like uh this casual or ongoing thing that I was telling about before or friends with benefits, it's all seemed like uh, there were, there are absolutely no connection. There are absolutely like, we are only there for sex and that's it. And that I got from a lot of people here mm. and me being just uh, more ready to accept their point of view and ask them for what they, they want. It's, uh, it was absolutely crucial here. It was, yeah. it's what people needed here because yeah, I don't understand the culture uh, there. And I remember even we, if I, yeah. Mm -hmm. You go, you go, you go. Even if they place. understand the culture, they still can't think something inside themselves because they, have some predefined notions of how it should go and just to ask just to be without these definitions of type of types of relationships and just talk about what each of us wants and can we if we are happy with that that was the really important word yeah, you basically had to drop the labels because I remember at the yeah. start you were getting a bit frustrated because you you would tell a lot of these girls like, hey, I'm looking for something casual. And because you're in Serbia, most of them just didn't like that. They were like, fuck no, no, no. And you got really frustrated. And I remember I said to you, why don't you just ask the women what they want? Like, they've already said no, so that's fine. But just say to them, like, I'm curious, what did you actually want? And yeah, like I said, you found that quite a few of them basically wanted what you wanted but 
they just had in their in their head when you said the word casual they thought like oh no that's horrible i could never do that and you say well what do you what would you be open to what do you actually want and they'd say well you know if we had sex once a week and we hung out together and then you know that would be good and you're like but that's what i want <laughs> we're just using different words for the same thing so there was almost like something lost in translation there and it's just like people in cultures have their own ideas like you said like a preconceived notion or like I could never have a casual relationship. That's for those Western sluts. Like, but then you say, well, what would you actually be okay with? Well, I'd be okay with doing the same thing as those Western girls, as long as we didn't call it casual. As long as, so yeah, there was a lot more like communication from your end and a lot of like problem solving, basically. Like you asking them, yeah, like you asking them, what would you be okay with? Or what, what would you be cool with? Like, what would you enjoy? Not just what would you be okay with? What would you enjoy? What would I enjoy? Is there a, fi- a way we could do that together? And I remember you had quite a few girls who were like, well, you know, like I would just want to spend time with you and have some feelings. And you're like, I want fucking feelings too. I never said I didn't want feelings. And yeah, that's quite a common thing. I think when, when we say as guys, I'm looking for something casual, a lot of women will assume that means no feelings. It's never going to go anywhere. We're not allowed to like each other. We can't see each other for more than, I don't know, one month. It can only ever be casual sex with no talking afterwards. And it's like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. So one thing I've started doing myself a lot more, and I know you do it now too, is just like not using labels as much. And as you said before, actually explaining, here's what I want. I want to see someone ongoing. I'm okay if it turns into a relationship. I want to be non-monogamous though. I want us to see each other casually like once a week or maybe twice a week, not too much because I'm busy. I will care about you. It's okay if you get feelings. Does that sound good to you? Or what would you like? Does that sound like something you would like? So, yeah, I really respected how much you got in there with the, you know, after the initial frustration, because you were a bit frustrated at the start. It was like, Serbian women are never going to have sex with me. And I was like, ask them what they want, though. Like, maybe there's something lost in translation there. And then there was. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, this... This inexperienced girl, you also saw a couple of other girls. You saw three girls in total in in a really short period of time when it wasn't even your goal. But mm-hmm. I think more than that, man, I want to talk about the – because sex is sex. Sex is cool. But I want to talk about, like, the vulnerability and how open you were with them. And also if we can tie it into your friend, like your ex, I guess, who became mm-hmm. your friend and that process because – for a little bit of context, you had slept with this woman. You guys had slept together a while ago and she had bro or you had both sort of ended things and you ended things. And you said, I only want sex. Like, like I only want to see you if we're going to have sex. And you said like, I don't want to be friends. And I remember we had this conversation where I was like, you know, you could be friends with her. You'd already wanted to do it. And I said, you know, you could just be friends with her. Like she sounds like she's very ambitious. She's into self-improvement. She sounds like she had a positive effect on your life. Why can't you just be friends with her and like you guys can push each other with your goals? Like if that's something you want to do, I'd never tell someone they have to. And you were really fucking vulnerable. It it took a lot for you to do it, but you reached out to her and you're like, hey, like, I'm sorry I haven't contacted you. Like, would you like to be friends? And walk us through that because it wasn't wasn't easy for you. And it sounds like you got a lot out of her, including some intimacy that wasn't sexual. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that was 
Firstly, there was a lot of ego involved in not contacting her first at the start. Fuck this and bitch. She and you didn't speak like that, but that's the thoughts that we sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I still thought about her fondly and all, but there was still something inside my head that told like, oh, I, I, if if she wants, uh, she will contact me, and I shouldn't do that. Mate, that's so many men and women do that where they're just like, I wish this person would contact me. They need to contact me first. I'm not going to be the first one to do it. And it's like, why don't you just take a deep breath and be the first one to do it? And you do have to drop the ego for that. Yeah. 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 So I I did at that time after we talked about this in a couple of days, I just thought about it. And yeah, I did. Uh, I wasn't even... It's not like, uh, oh, I uh, I like you, come back to me or something like that. That would be, uh, I, w- I wouldn't say that would be a really good approach there. But I, I just <laughs> talked about everything that I got from our first relationship, how grateful I was, and that I would really like to have you in my life in any way. And yeah, that, that would have been. And Basically, I just said that, and I was okay with any response. Yeah, you had no expectations, yeah. You didn't need anything from her. Yeah, and she responded. She actually was surprised because, yeah, she she was still wanting only to be friends. uh, And she thought, like, I cannot, like, she wouldn't have reached out to me because, yeah, she thought, like, I, I don't want this. But over that, and mm, to be clear, at that time when we ended things, I really was not able to be friends to be friends with yeah. her or anyone else. I was, transformation. Yeah. yeah, at that time I was so obsessed with dating and sex. I was so missing that in my life. I couldn't handle that, hmm. and so at that time I ended it because of that. And now, half a year later, I I was. Totally okay. I was more relaxed about dating stuff. It was after my some initial transformations where I was more peaceful with everything. I was still a little bit frustrating about dating life sometimes, but I was really more relaxed about it. So I was like, okay, let's meet and talk about this. And there was so much trust and connection that we built at that time. And that was just I I was really surprised how much there was. And over the time that we were friends for how long? Like we were back to seeing each other as, as friends for four or five months at this point, I guess. I think four. Mm-hmm. And we gave each other so much uh support and like yeah. Because she is ambitious, she is into self improvement, and that was that was really amazing. And yeah, about this, because there is still a lot of connection that we build, a lot of like intimacy in the way of sharing things, in the way that we can be really vulnerable with each other, and that helped to share a lot of the stuff that I needed to share with someone, a lot of the 
some struggles in the moment. At that breakdown that we talked about, I reached out to her as well. And I met with her as well. And she helped me a lot through that as well later. So, yeah. And just allowing myself to have other... Just seeing that I can have not only sexual relationships uh, and being more open to whatever can come and seeing how it can be a really good thing. That was- yeah. You used to be very closed off and you didn't mean to be. I used to be very closed off too, especially to women. If they didn't want to have sex with me, yeah. fuck off. Like that was kind of my mindset. And you definitely became a lot more open and what happens when we become more open, which is why I talk about open-mindedness and honesty and all of that a lot in my content these days, what happens when we're more open is people just want to be around us. People without even trying give us things. They give us value. We give them value. Like people will just, it's like you become a magnet and people want to come to you when you're more and more open. And when you open yourself up to, like you said, stuff that isn't just sex, yeah, you realize there's a whole lot of value that you can be given and give to other people. There's 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 friendship, there's intimacy, there's self-improvement, there's pushing each other, there's vulnerability, there's practicing your social skills and stuff like that. And obviously, we'd never say that someone has to be friends with someone. That's not what we're saying here at all. But you definitely became a lot more open to it. And that's something I've slowly started doing as well over the last couple of years is like, oh, wait, I can have female friends. Whereas in the past, I would have just said, like, no, I can't have female friends. If they're not giving me sex, then they're no use to me. And it's like, well, that's very closed-minded. And again, if you're in that mindset, great. Like, have whatever mindset you want. But you're definitely someone that's benefited from being a lot more open-minded. Yeah, I feel that's that that still requires a lot of, uh, like, advancement in that uh, being more okay. Yeah, yeah. Because at the start, it, it would definitely hurt me more than gave me. Me too. Me too at the start. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a process. And we're not, again, saying that everybody has to immediately go mm-hmm. out and be friends with 500 people of the opposite gender. Yeah. I have a, well, my girlfriend has a friend who's very closed off to men. Like she's been through some stuff and she's very closed off to men. If I tell her, hey, go have, go be friends with like 20 guys, she might or she might just tell me like, fuck off. Like, so it's, it's. Everybody has their own journey with this stuff. Let's segue to money, 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 money. (laughs) And we'll come back to the mental side of things. You, in the coaching group, we said this before, you basically came to me and you're like, hey, motherfucker, I would like to start a business. And I was like, great. What business do you want to start? And you said, I don't know. And I said, okay, well, what are you good at? I don't know. What do you like to do? I'm not sure. And so we really started from like, and I've done that with a couple of guys now, a couple of the other guys in the group that you know, started their own stuff as well. We had the same conversations. What do I start? I don't know. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is you don't have to know what kind of passion you have or what kind of things you would be good at or what business you could start. I think so many people could start a side hustle or a business or a YouTube channel or anything really, or write a book. But they don't give themselves permission because they say, I'm not good at anything or I don't have any skills or I'm just not an expert on anything. You were the king of like giving yourself permission and being humble enough to just say, right, I'm just going to try. And what I got you to do is write down a big list 
of all the things that you feel like you have some knowledge in, or you've made a lot of mistakes in, or you've learned a lot, or you're good at, or you are really passionate about, and you wrote a big list. And there are a couple of things on that list that you really liked, but you've very shyly said, oh man, like, but the thing I really care about, the thing I really want to do is I want to do what you're doing, Andy. I want to be able to coach people or help people. And I said, like, we'll do that. And you kind of went through this this conversation of like, but I don't deserve to. I'm not knowledgeable enough. Now is not the right time. Like, I have to go further in my journey. All of that kind of stuff, which, by the way, you know this, but that's exactly how I felt when I first started my website. I was not ready. I didn't think I could help anyone. And so, in the early days, we basically just got you to, you know, I think you started with your blog, right? Your blog was the yeah. first thing you started. And you were just yes. writing articles and, like, they were crap. Like the first three articles were crappy. Now, I could see the gold within them. When I say they were crap, I mean like they were unrefined. There you go. That's how I'd say it. There's like a little gold nugget or a diamond underneath and you can see the diamond and you're like, oh, if he just keeps polishing and does more articles, that diamond is going to come out. How many articles have you written at this point? And it's only been four months, right? Yeah, I... I think it's about like 40, between 40 or 50, something like that. Ladies but and gentlemen, it, that's taking yeah. action. <laughs> yeah, at the start, when I just uh, started with the blog, I was literally writing one article a day, sometimes even two. And I was while just, working. Yeah. Yeah, while, while doing all of this stuff as, as well. And yeah, I just didn't focus too much on quality at the start and just being able to express myself, to learn, to even give myself permission to express myself for someone mm. to see me and to find how I can actually express myself, how, how I would write, how, how it all works. Because Cause I, you don't know, you don't have a voice. Yeah. Like you don't know how to write. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you were terrified of sounding too much like me at the start. You were really yeah, scared of that. Definitely. And I was like, just yeah. sound like me then. Just write articles that sound like me. I had the same fear, by the way. At the start, I was like, I'm terrified that I will sound like good looking loser. And I did. I even had someone leave a comment saying, bro, you're just copying good looking loser. Like, But I think at the start, if you can just write, it doesn't matter if you sound like you're copying someone else. It doesn't matter if you, your articles are crappy. It doesn't matter if nobody reads them. It really doesn't fucking matter. You know, what you said there, I think is so unbelievably important. Just do a lot. Don't focus on quality. Just do, you know, like you've written 50 articles. You've done probably 50 YouTube videos at this point as yeah, well. Yeah, it's about that. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like you're the king of just getting in there and doing a lot of content. And that's that's how I built my shit up as well. I've done at this point, oh, God, I don't even know, like six or 700 YouTube videos if you include podcasts. So, so podcasts and YouTube videos, like six or 700 articles, probably like 300. Like it's just a crazy amount of content. And so a lot of it is going to be crappy. The good news is nobody will see that because they only see the really popular good stuff. So the only way or the best way to make really good content and to actually help people is to just do a lot. And that really does require being humble at the start. Like how terrified were you at the start to let go of your ego and just go, I'm just going to put myself out there. And if it's shit, it's shit. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I, I was really afraid of that. And 
to share uh, as well because I was writing a lot of stuff, but I still didn't share it. But after the time, I started write started sharing it at least with some friends and yeah then on i even started sharing on reddit that was the huge part that was you were really terrified terrifying. to post your yeah. articles on reddit yeah that was scary because i even said to you like do it just be okay with lots of negative comments like because that's reddit and yeah you got negative comments and that was a whole process yeah. that i coached you through that really was like a big process of you running towards your fear you were really terrified yeah and then there was uh, yeah th there was one article that reddit really liked for some reason for like at least for me at least for the start it, it got like I don't remember how many uploads, but it it was really it was on top several for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, and that was yeah. I I just literally couldn't believe that, and it was probably one of the best of my articles that I ever wrote. But it was still hard to believe that someone could read that, and there was a lot of people who were like, "Oh, thank you for you. You really helped." And that for me was probably the moment when I realized that even something that I don't believe can help people, it, it still can. It's, it still can inspire someone or someone can relate to that or something like that. And you, you just never know because at that time I thought I had a, lot, a couple of different articles that I posted that were quite, quite good as well. But mm -hmm. this one was the best in people's opinion or it just happened like that but yeah writing a lot uh, or just doing a lot of any content is really important just to find even if even if you copy someone it's you still get something of you in that content as yeah. well yeah. always yeah. and it refines over time it mm -hmm. only only with practice, can you actually find what you can add to that? Yeah, you. your voice has to have a chance to come out. And again, the only real way to do that mm -hmm. is to just do a lot of content. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it was quite inspiring to see how much you wrote in those early couple of weeks. You wrote a lot. You really were writing like every day and how much you shared on Reddit, even when you were terrified. And that moment where you did have one of the posts go kind of viral, that's that, you know, I had a similar moment. Mine was the first couple of times I got people emailing me saying, hey, this really changed my life. Thank you. That's when this shit becomes really addictive. When content creation or coaching or helping people or whatever it is that you want to call this, that's when that becomes really addictive. When you have a couple of people say, hey, this really helped me. And you realize, oh shit, I'm not just like typing keys on my keyboard. I'm actually making a difference in some way. There is someone at the other end of this article who will read it and it will have an impact on them or it might have an impact on them. Holy shit, this is pretty amazing. And I think when you add that on top of, you know, when you got your first couple of clients and what I got you to do at the start was to just say to people, yo, I'll do a coaching call with you for free. And you were doing that on Reddit. You just say like, yo, I'll just, just jump on a call with me. And you did a couple of friends as well. And this is something that I recommend people do when they start a business or a side hustle is get your friends and family involved and you can give them stuff for free. You can give them a product for free and just get them to review it or leave you a review. 
or do a coaching call with them for free. You know, one of the other guys in my coaching group right now who started being a coach, he's just coaching his sister and his friends. And it's like, yeah, just start with that. And that's something that you did as well. But that moment when the very first person paid you, which you were fucking terrified to ask for money, you were so scared. And so the cheat code that I gave you and anybody listening, write this down. If you start some sort of coaching business, work with your first few clients for free. And then after that, start telling people, I will do a coaching call with you. And after the coaching call, you can just pay me whatever you think it was worth. If you think it was only worth $1, then just pay me $1. And you had a guy pay you like $150 or something for the first, for one of the calls. And then he's paid you a bunch of times since then. So you've made $450 from, you know, this one client. How mind blowing was that? Because I know you didn't think you were going to make any money like within the coaching. And I was like, motherfucker, we're going to get you some money. And you were like, no. And I was like, yes. (laughs) Yeah, that was surprisingly, I I didn't have a lot of uh, fear about like receiving money. I, I, I didn't like think that I don't deserve to receive money, but I still just didn't think that it will happen that that fast. Someone will give me even at this level something, um, and especially that much for me. And That's what yeah, happens that when was, you ask. Ask for what you yeah. want and you shall receive eventually. Yeah, and that definitely just improves everything. Like the quality that I want to put in that just the gratitude and appreciation for that person as well. Mm-hmm. Just I was liking every call that we had and Yeah, you want to change the person's life because they're giving yeah. you a lot of money. And it feels it's this beautiful, special like two-way relationship where they're giving you money and paying your bills and you feel so grateful to them that you give everything you can to change their life and then they feel grateful to you yeah it's it's the reason why i encourage people to put their prices up and to like keep adjusting those prices up and and give more value each time you do obviously don't just do a half an hour call for actually you guys can do whatever you want but i have always put my price up and give more value because it does it's just this beautiful fucking two-way relationship where it's like, like even this morning I posted in my coaching group and I was like, I'm so fucking grateful to you guys. Like, I can't believe that you guys pay me money and pay my bills and then let me help you when I get to walk amongst you. Like, holy crap, like I'm grateful. So I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like someone pays you $150 and that's your first payment for coaching. It's like, you want to give that motherfucker a hug and change his life. Cause you're like, bro, I love yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. On the subject of gratitude, that was another thing that you wrote down. Something that you had, because you wrote this big post at the end of your coaching with with like all the stuff you felt like you had um, learned. And one of them was, I've learned how to have magnitudes, more gratitude, peace, and love in my life, how to be happy much more often and not be afraid of it. My mindset shift immensely to an even more positive place. So when you say afraid of it, what were you afraid of? Like afraid of happiness, afraid of peace, afraid of not doing enough, afraid of being lazy. I was really afraid of, yeah, just being okay with this. Um, like we all have the days when we don't do much and uh, like don't put enough effort. 
And I was always the person who were not okay with that. I needed yeah, to you put, in, <laughs> put in all of the effort I could. And if I couldn't, I... I didn't and then, realize that debate, and I beat myself up for it, but I did. Yeah, you I would. You would have, like, the best day ever, and you would write these posts in the Facebook group with, like, 20 things you did that day. And I'd look at that, and I'd even say to you sometimes, dude, that's, like, five times more than I did today. And at the end of that post, you'd say, but I'm not doing enough. What's wrong with me? I'm so lazy. Like, I had 15 minutes that I could have been working today. And I was like, hey, dude, that that's when I first started saying, dude, you're headed for a breakdown if you keep being this hard on yourself. But... Yeah, you really were yeah. afraid of having one minute in the day where you weren't like I could have I yeah. bet you took a shit with your laptop and you're like, I have to be typing on my laptop while I take a shit. Like I have to be efficient. Efficiency. Remember efficiency <laughs> was your was the, you were obsessed yeah. with the word efficiency at the start of the coaching. You're like, I yeah. have to be efficient. I need to be efficient. And I was like, bro, just be peaceful. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I lost where I was. <laughs> afraid, okay, afraid of not making the most of every day, afraid of being lazy, yeah. afraid of not doing yeah. enough, afraid of dying and not having done enough. You're afraid of that. That is as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I literally was obsessed with making every minute count. I was on the strictest sleep schedules when I just woke up at 3 a.m. and started immediately doing something. And... And as well, I, I didn't like almost always work on like this business or like, blog that I started. It was also the mindset stuff when I worked with, uh, I did inquiries, I did just writing a journal and all of this stuff. But I still had a lot of schedules, uh, like mm -hmm. what I, I need to focus each day for how much amount of time. And yeah, just getting, yeah, at some moment I, I became, okay. so yeah, for the, from, from where I started, I was really terrified to have some of the days when I wouldn't perform great at, at my, that definition. And I would be okay with that because that meant if I would be okay one time, I would be okay like forever and I will just just quit or something. Yeah, and, bro, I remember that big conversation. Yeah. I was like, what are you yeah. so afraid of? You're like, I'm afraid if I ever let myself relax for one minute, then I'll quit yeah. forever. I'll just be lazy and I'll <laughs> yeah. become a lazy person and I'll quit. And yeah, I was like, how are you going to quit though? Like, you're, why would you quit for the rest of your life? Like, that doesn't make sense. Taking time off and relaxing is not the same thing as quitting. But I think that's a common thing that a lot of people in self-improvement feel. They're like, well, if I ever have a day off, then I'm, I'm, I'm letting myself be lazy. And then the next minute I'll wake up morbidly obese and, you know, I'm just lazy and I, I weigh 600 pounds and I don't go to outside. And it's like, how, what, how, how does one day off end in obesity? You'd have to have like thousands of days off and eat a lot of American food. Hey, we can make that joke because neither of us are American. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's, it's a common fear, man. It really is. And do you feel these yeah. days you're not so afraid of it? Like you're not afraid of time off. You're not afraid of peace. You're not afraid of just being okay. 
yeah, you know, it after a time, after a time in the group, I was at the start, I was starting to be okay with day with having days off, but I scheduled them. It was like the time for relaxation, the time for productivity, the time for relaxation. And so it wasn't really different from that. I, it still was scheduled. It still was you, you were, I remember you were like, I have to be very efficient when I, I have to be super productive yeah. and efficient on my day <laughs> off. And I was like, I mean, you can, but like, that's kind of not a day off then. <laughs> yeah. Like I have to be productive at my relaxation. So I would yep. relax. Yep. I'm not relaxing good enough. I'm being lazy with <laughs> <Yeah>. my relaxation. <laughs> I'm yeah. not relaxing hard enough. <laughs> yeah, that's that really is. common. Yeah, and just I I became much more okay with I think with spontaneous things that happen because mm. for all of my schedules, even allowing myself to relax, if something went not according to plan. I would just panic at that time. I was just like, oh, it's all bad now. I still did something, but I could have done so much more if that thing didn't happen, if something, some event like, mm-hmm. just didn't change my plans. But that what happens, that what usually happens. And so I was having a lot of these days when I was just miserable because something changed. And yeah. that was the biggest change, just accepting I can. I still have plans. I still, of course, like want to do something at at some day. But it it is that it is. I want to do something. It's it's not. not if I something need to, changes, or I have yeah, to. yeah. And even if I need or have to, even I still have some thoughts like that sometimes. Even if it changes, I can just accept whatever comes. New, mm. what, whatever new comes i can reschedule i can do this thing that i wanted at different time or even if it does come does have some consequences it's still i can accept that so i just realized that my life will not fall apart if i miss that one thing that i really wanted to do or thought i needed to do yeah uh, became there will be solutions more. yeah you became a much more resilient person who was able to like, you know, roll with the punches as the saying goes. Cause before that you were trying to control everything. You had a schedule. You were like, I have to do this. I have to be super efficient. You definitely tried to control yourself. You weren't controlling to other people, but you were controlling to yourself and you were trying to control the whole fucking universe and make sure everything goes the way it, you want it to. But the thing about the universe is it doesn't give a fuck about your plans. Like literally it thinks your plans are adorable. And it's like, that's a cute little plan. Guess what? It's going to rain today, bitch. Cause I decided that it will. Oh, that's a cute little plan. Guess what? Here's some traffic so that you don't get your, to your meeting on time. Sorry, bitch. I'm the rest of the fucking universe and I'm going to do whatever I want. And I don't give a fuck about your plan because everybody else has a little plan as well. And if I was to just follow your plan and give you everything you want, well, then I'd be letting everybody else down. So I'm kind of just going to be pretty fucking random. And sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And I think if you can just really be okay with that, Buddhism is a really good place to start. But what you did is you read the book, Loving What Is. You also really embraced letting go and the concept of like the map of consciousness and the emotional levels and stuff. And you just, you got to a point where you were like very like, like a Zen monk, like a little hippie. And you even had a day, you played this little experiment. I remember you know, we were, we were leading up to this and you played this experiment where you went out on a date with a girl 
And you basically said, you told her, and you told us that you were going to do this. You said, what if I don't make any decisions at all today? What if I just get her to make all the decisions? And she was happy to, even though she found it very weird because she's very shy and submissive and like <laughs> not used to taking the lead. But you were like, what if I just don't make a single decision? Will I be okay? Or will the whole world explode and I'll die and like, you know, nothing will be okay. So how did that experiment go? How did that day go of you just going like, she can make all the decisions and I'm just going to learn to be okay with it and not be so controlling all the time? Because that was really hard yeah. for you. Yeah, for the context, it wasn't just um, uh, just a date. We went to another city here and just traveled <laughs> to like explore a that city. Day. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was actually like a day and a half because it, it's, it was over the weekend. But mm -hmm. yeah, from from the very beginning, it just went completely, <laughs> completely wrong because uh, we missed a train that was called, and uh, I I wasn't prepared for that. And at the start, <laughs> after like a, an hour into that, I had the thoughts like I. Maybe I should quit. Maybe I, it's all starting. <laughs> it, it's, it's all going to be a disaster. One hour into go, it, you're oh, like, I want to quit. Yeah. I need to control everything again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like just, just to stop everything will be, uh, everything will be a disaster and nothing good will come out of it. And I'm just going to go home. <laughs> nothing. We didn't uh, went. Uh, we were still back in the city here and didn't buy anything. So I'm like, okay, let's just cancel everything. I really, literally had these thoughts. And that was the moment when I realized that, okay, that's my controlling attitude just takes over. That's my ego. I need yeah. to control yeah, every moment because if I want, I think that nothing, I think that everything just, everything just falls apart. And that, I just accepted these moments. There were a couple of more moments like that. Mm. And I was just, I just kept accepting them. Like there was uncomfortable just situations where, yeah, it, it was cold and I didn't prepare. I just haven't researched at all because I wanted it to be a completely spontaneous thing. And so I had to accept that and also to have no, like I relinquished my choice to her and to accept everything that comes out of it, even if it's something that I don't really like. Mm -hmm. And to still find something that I can use it for, uh, that still it, it still gives me something, even if it's just the opportunity to practice how I can handle that, not to be uh, really negative about the situation and to just be grateful for her that she doing is such, willing uh, to do this crazy thing yeah, for you. Yep. Yeah. Because that was really, I think for, for times it was kind of stressful for her. Sometimes it was kind of fun. But yeah, overall it was, it was really insightful experience to just not have, I still had some control at a couple of times. Sure. You're not going to do because, something you yeah. really don't yeah. want to do. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was a huge contrast with how I usually structured my life before. Mm. Like I 
controlled every moment, even at that time when I was already switching to more peaceful state and more accepting, I was still controlling a lot. And that experience, it, it gave me, I started just enjoying any moment that I have more mm. vividly, I think more. Uh, you become more present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, because you're actually connecting with what's happening. You're, you're present in reality instead of fighting against it, which is what we're doing when we try and control every little bit, every little moment and ourselves and other people and all of that. You're not present to what's happening because you're sitting there, like maybe it's raining. And instead of feeling the rain on your skin and being grateful for the rain and going, isn't this cool? Look, it's raining. Instead of all of that, you're just going, it shouldn't be raining. I fucking hate the rain. It's cold. It sucks. You're not actually paying attention. You're not finding any beauty in the moment. You're not finding anything to be happy about or grateful for. You're disconnected from the moment. You're wishing, you're literally wishing the moment didn't exist. You're wishing I was in the future or I wish I was in the past. And it's like, what about right now? Like you're literally not here when you're fantasizing about the future or the past. So that was a huge one for you, man. And I think let's make something really clear. I suspect... I already know the answer, but I'm, I suspect you're going to say, I already know the answer. You're grateful for the period of time in the past when you were really controlling because that helped pull you out of self-harm. It helped get you some dates. It helped get you a relationship and all of that. I'm grateful for the period of time when I was a controlling motherfucker because holy crap, that made sure that I didn't get into another violent relationship yeah. that made me, you know, go and actually take some action. And so it's kind of a process. It's a weird process that a lot of us go through. It's an interesting process where maybe we're at a point in our lives where we're very passive and we don't take action and we feel like things just happen to us and we feel like a victim and it's not fair. And why can't I have the life I li I want to live? And so we become very action oriented. We start taking a lot of action. We start trying to control things and not in a bad way, but we're just, we're just acutely aware that now everything is under our control, right? Like if I don't like my job, I have the control and the power to leave. If I don't like my relationship, I have the control to walk away. If I don't like my body, I have the control to make myself go to the gym and enjoy that. Like you realize that you have control. And what often happens for most of us, maybe all of us, but when you go through your self-improvement self journey far enough, you get to a point where you're like, okay, I fully understand that I have control and power. I have all these habits in place, but now I want to try going back to how I was at the start where I didn't control everything, but now it's in a different way. It's letting go. It's letting things just happen and being okay with the way they are. And you still take action, obviously, but it's it's that you don't control all of the small little details that don't really matter. That was the conversation you and I had in a couple of coaching calls. I was like, you can still control the things that you care about. I still have preferences. I still have things I care about. I'm not going to go and have sex with a man because I just, I don't want to do that. I am going to continue to love my girlfriend because I want to. I'm going to continue to go to the gym because I want to. I don't need to control every little tiny detail. And now I'm going to go back to how I was at the start where I didn't have, like, I didn't control things as much, but I'm doing it in a peaceful way now. At the start, it was like a victim and this isn't fair and why can't I have any control? Now I know that I have full control over everything in my life. And I also know that I've pulled all of these habits in place and I've become a person who 
success kind of just comes to like success just happens once you set up all of the habits and everything. Like you just, you accidentally, like in your case, and it's not accidental, but it feels accidental. It feels like it just fucking happens. All of the stuff you've achieved here, we've had this conversation before. It just kind of happened. You did action, but it just kind of fucking happened. I feel like that too at this point. I feel like I'm not really doing anything. It just kind of fucking happens. And at that point you go, maybe I can let go a little bit. Maybe I don't need to control everything. Maybe I can take my hands off the steering wheel for a little bit and the car will drive itself because I already built an autopilot system for the car. I spent the last five years building this fucking autopilot. Maybe I can trust it now. You're basically trusting yourself and your habits and the support network that you've built around you and all of the people that will have your back and all of that shit and the good habits like good sleep, good nutrition, good gym, being kind to other people, all of that shit. You're trusting that. And so for a lot of guys, they will hear all of this and they'll go like, why the fuck did you like have less control? Why did you let some woman control your life for a day and a half? That's insane. What are you doing? And it's like, yeah, we're not recommending everybody does that. You can, though you can try it and see what happens. <laughs> Nothing bad will happen. But like for a lot of guys, they're like, no, dude, I need to control everything. And yeah, that's kind of a period that a lot of us go through. So it's cool seeing you come out of the other side of that, getting to the point where you're, you're basically trusting yourself and you're saying, I think my life will be okay. And that's something you said a lot. You say that a lot. You're like, everything, I know everything will be okay. You said that to me like hundreds of times in our coaching. You're like, I know everything will be okay. Like no matter what happens, everything will be okay. And that's a nice point to be at, man. That's a life-changing point to be at. You're basically saying the universe is kind. I'm safe. Everything's okay. People are nice. I trust myself. I trust the rest of the universe. Existence is kind. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally right. It is about the trust. It is, it, it, I think the trust is built in the in the action because yeah, it is required at some point. It, at the start, we don't have this framework that we can rely upon, and mm. it, it just haven't built yet. Uh, yeah, all yeah, I had at all I had that some moment is was my memories that if I don't control anything, everything just falls apart. Yep. And look how shit my life is. I get depressed if I don't control things. Yeah. Yeah. Then I started controlling everything and it improved. And it's like, oh, the control is the only thing that works. It is, it is that belief for a while that keeps, uh, that, that kept me going. But after some time, I still believe that it, it, it is really distracting to be without the, without the noise. <laughs> Everybody listening, um, I muted my microphone for half a yeah. second there so I could pour myself a yeah. glass of water. Yeah. And I just went out of my thoughts because of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, over the course, over these actions, and then deep, deep in a little bit into this, what if I let, let go a little bit? And what happens mm. then? And just. Mm -hmm allowing small small loose loss of control and just seeing that yeah still my, my i have enough knowledge to just support myself even if i don't control this thing and then returning yeah. back to the control because it's comfortable now and yeah just doing that over time and there was a point when i was i was still afraid of of uh, letting go completely just 
I think that that was the moment this weekend and uh, a couple of days before when I just my days off when I didn't try to control anything. It, I I was still afraid of that. I was still afraid I won't return, but I kind of took a leap of faith and realized that even if I do, if I even if I don't, the most I am losing is I will probably still be back in a couple of weeks, or I have something some friends that will support me. I was still in a group that you guys would have pulled me out of it. Mm-hmm. I would, I still posted. I still, I was in contact with something. I had to have this, this, a lot of support to even try that. But after I tried and I realized that I actually can see that after a while, I just want to return. I want to improve. I want my life to be better anyway. And I just cannot forget that. I cannot forget that the, everything is possible. You're not going to stop. Yeah, you're not going to yeah. stop being a self-improvement. Like, Yeah, I, I don't need to cult. force that thought on me anymore because at the start, I definitely did. I could have fallen back at the start. But after a while, it's just internalized. It does. It's not going yep. anywhere, never. And so I can relax into that and just allow my knowledge to carry me some of the ways. Control is still required sometimes, yeah just to establish boundaries, to have preferences and all of that. But it's it's definitely, the details are not that important anymore. It mm. will, if one path didn't turn out to be right because I missed uh, some details, I didn't control them as much, there is a lot of other ways that I can do the same thing. And, and that's, that's would have taught you yeah. something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it always teaches something that that is the yeah we had that conversation a lot of times one of my favorite exercises to get my clients to do when they they post in the group or when they tell me something is bad when they say oh this woman rejected me that's bad you know my friends stood me up that's bad this woman flaked on me that's bad my favorite exercise to get people to do and anyone listening you can do this too when they tell me something is bad I will say, give me 20 reasons why it's good. And that is such a mental shift for so many guys, for so many people. They're like, but there's no good reason why she flaked on me. It's like, no, you you just sit there with a pen and paper, sit there for a couple of hours and you will come up with 20. I got you to do this so many times and you just, it became a habit for you. You just really, really took to this and you would write down 20 reasons why it's a good thing that this woman just flaked on me. It's a good reason, good thing that this woman just ghosted me. Like, and if you sit there, you can always come up with 20 reasons for literally everything. Everything that has ever happened, you can come up with 20 reasons. And if you struggle with that, you can come up with at least one. One reason why it's a good thing that this happened. Or one reason why you're going to make it a good thing. Like, because to some extent, having that winner's mindset and saying, no, I'm not going to be a victim. I'm not going to say it was a bad thing that she flaked on me. That makes me the victim. I'm going to say it was a good thing. Now I get to go to bed early and have a good night's sleep and I'll feel energized tomorrow. I get to go hang out with my friends instead and that will be a good experience for me. I get to sit there and really focus on myself and say, okay, she she flaked on me. Maybe if I had a little bit more muscle, this might happen less. Okay, maybe I'll go to the gym. Maybe I'll, I'll really hit the gym harder. Or maybe this is a really good practice and test of my stoicism. Maybe this will help me fully embrace the fact that other people have their own wants and desires and women aren't just walking around giving me everything I want all at once. Like maybe other people have their own preferences. So you can use it for positivity. You can use it for like to find the good in it. 
And that helps you ultimately with what you're talking about, where you just control things a lot less because you realize no matter what happens, I'm going to be able to find some good in it, or I'm going to be able to make it good. I'm going to be able to turn it into something positive. I'm going to use it to fuel my self-improvement or to be a better person. And at that point, man, it feels like the whole world is your friend. It feels like nothing bad ever happens. And one thing you got really fucking good at was every time you would get negative comments or negative criticism from Reddit, especially, but you know, other places as well, you got really good at turning that into a good thing. And even saying to the people, thank you. Thank you for the negative criticism. And that's something that I've gotten, you know, pretty decent at as well. Every time I see a negative comment, I'm now fucking grateful for it. I'm like, thank you. I really appreciate this. This is helping me be a better person or it's helping me reflect on myself and seeing if maybe you're correct. Maybe I should kill myself. Maybe you're correct. Like that might sound weird. You and I would know what I'm talking about there where I say that. But basically every time you have a negative comment, you say, Maybe that's true. Maybe what they're saying is true. Maybe I am an ugly piece of shit. Is there anything about me that I think I could improve in terms of looks? Yeah, there's a couple of things. So maybe this person is actually giving me something useful when they call me an ugly piece of shit. Maybe they're trying to help me. Maybe they're like enlightened and they're like a spiritual guru, like a spiritual teacher. And I didn't know that I'm an ugly piece of shit and they're here to tell me and help me grow. So thank you for telling me I'm an ugly piece of shit. That's really helpful. Like you must be more enlightened than me. So really embracing that, making the most of everything that happens. Yeah, there is no bad in the universe at that point. It feels like the whole universe is your friend, but that's something you have to actively do, ladies and gentlemen. I've worked on that for years at this point. You've worked on this for many, many, many months and very intensely. It's not like you've done this once or twice. You've done this like day in, day out. A lot. Let's talk a little bit. I mean, I guess we didn't have to spend a long time on this one because I am conscious that it's it's been an hour and a half already. But we haven't even talked about this. You became a lot more social, man. You pushed yourself. You went to a bunch of meetup events with other people. Mm-hmm. You made a friend. Um, I think you cut out some other friend who wasn't as positive in your life. You were more comfortable having platonic time with females, for instance, like you know the woman that we talked about before. You really did work a lot on the social life. And I think that was you just being more open to like anything that happens. Because before that, you were like, no, I'm the lone wolf and I don't have time for socializing stuff and I need to just work on my business. And how was that for you? Like opening up and saying, no, 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 maybe the social stuff is important. Maybe this is something I want to get good at. Yeah, the social stuff was always something that it was almost at the bottom of my priority list. And I thought I would focus on that the last uh, in the last moment, like after everything else would be handled. Like when you're 80 years old, you're like, oh, I need a friend now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before I die, like, I'm gonna go to some meetups now. Yeah. <laughs> gonna meet some people. Yeah, and I realized actually that it is an important part of my life, and I, I guess that was the switch that I got from being not that obsessed with uh, sex and dating because before I just really thought it was a waste of time. I was mm. trying to focus on that fully. And yeah, by being more just like accepting of whatever comes, whatever opportunity comes that uh, because there is not a lot of meetups here, but the ones that I like, I'm going all the time and yeah, just going there without expectations that was the 
because before I control used, everything and yeah, I used there. Uh, I went on these meetups before when before the switch. I went there with some agenda, like I want to meet there some girl that I that I would still date or something like that. And if I don't do that, that is a failure. I like I shouldn't have even went there. You put so much and, pressure on yourself, yeah. Yeah, and that doesn't like these types of meetups that are more friendly and they're for more travelers. So it didn't happen that much. And so I I thought like, oh, that was a complete waste of time. But when I relaxed into it and accepted anything, I realized that it can help all of my life just having people there. Like again, the, the friend that I met here, there as well, and uh, had for a couple of months. Uh, this opportunity would have, I, I just wouldn't have had that if I just dismissed um, all the other, if I went there with an agenda and uh, kept strictly not looking for anything else, not being open-minded, not seeing that people still can give me something, even if that's, if that's something that I didn't want at, want at the start. So being open to the opportunities that just present themselves, that was really a huge part that I got from social. And yeah, that just be being more social and liking that stuff. I think that was with open-mindedness as well, because I accepted that even different types of relationships with people, friendly ones, or just even acquaintances where I talk with, with someone still adds a lot to my life. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think in self-improvement, sorry, you go. Yeah. I had so many realizations, so many epiphanies while I was just talking with people about yeah, man. my stuff that I was going through. I think in self-improvement, I wonder if it's men that do it more. It probably is. It seems to be, at least in my point of view. We're, we will often say, okay, I'm going to go all in with business and then we'll just kind of neglect everything else. And I don't think that's a bad thing because it helps you build the business. But, you know, you see guys doing it with sex and dating and relationships as well, where they'll like neglect friendships. I think generally speaking, women are, they seem to understand the value of friendships a little more. I think as guys, we can often get into a position where we just don't have any fucking friends. I was definitely like that at the start of my good looking loser days. I had zero friends because I just, I didn't think they're important. I was like, no, I've always done everything by myself. I can get it done by myself. If you don't know what you, you kind of don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you're missing. Once you actually have a couple of friends in your life or a couple of people to like bounce ideas off of and to support you and to be there for you in your dark moments, I can't tell you how much my friends have added to my life. But before I ever had friends, I would have said like, what can a friend get me? A friend won't do anything for me. They'll just take up my time. That's time I could be spending on self-improvement or dating or something else. Like I don't have time for friends, but yeah, when you actually get a couple of friends, and it is something that I push most of my clients, if anyone ever does come to me and they say, I don't have any friends, or if I just hear them not ever talking about friends, I will like immediately jump on that. And I'll say, you have to have at least one friend, like, please get at least one friend. And obviously, meetup is a really good way of doing that. There's a lot of different ways. I have a full guide on my website on how to make friends. But yeah, the value is just incredible, man. Like knowing that people care about you, being able to talk about your self-improvement to yeah. other people. 
that's so fucking yeah. valuable. Like they're basically yeah. your accountability partners. And so if you think I can't afford to have, or I don't have time to have friends. Okay. Rename them as instead of friends, they are accountability partners. Okay. See now the value. And it's like that. Yeah. Let me go get some account accountability partners, but they're really your friends. But even that's like just so incredibly valuable. Yeah. Spending time with, with these people is like the mirror to yourself. <clears throat> it's just so important just by sharing a lot of stuff. Mm. Just learn a lot of stuff about yourself as well. And yeah, mm. a lot of people just want to support your efforts. And sometimes you will meet people who really click to click with and they become your friends as well. Yeah. Yeah. I can't understate the value of having people around you that are also mm. on a mission. It doesn't have to be the same goals as yeah. you, but they just, they want stuff. They're trying to do stuff. They're trying to be better people. It's like that just like lifts you up. It really does. They inspire you and you inspire yeah. them. And then it's like, oh, we're on this mission together. We're partners sort of thing. So yeah, super important, man. What would you say is the one biggest thing that you took from coaching? For me, it was this mindset shift that allowed me to be like basically what we start, what we talked at the start, not uh, trying to prove anything to anyone and being okay with whatever happens. That is the phrase I, th that is the mindset I got from it. That is the huge thing. We call that peace. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely deserve peace. Everybody listening does. I understand that not everybody is ready for it. I definitely wasn't a couple of years ago. You weren't a year ago. But everybody deserves it. It's why we talk about it so much. It's why I it's probably the thing that I talk the most about with my actual coaching clients. You know that because obviously, you know, you did coaching, but for anyone else listening, like the coaching is not just like let's get laid, let's make money. It's like that's 10% of the coaching. You will sign up thinking that's what we're going to do. But no, it's like that peace stuff. Everybody deserves that. And I think a lot of people don't think that they, they don't think now's the, they think now is not the right time to be peaceful. You definitely had that. It's like, I can't be peaceful yeah. yet. I have to achieve another goal and prove even more. And I have to do this and I have to do that. And it's like, why can't you just be peaceful while you do that stuff? Why can't you be happy while you do that stuff? Can't you enjoy the process? And I think you definitely came to me as someone who, I didn't really know how to enjoy the process. Yeah. And from my point of view, it felt like most of the coaching was getting you to just be okay with the process and learn that like, oh, wait, I've done enough. I'm allowed to be happy with this stuff. Yeah. Just that enjoying the, finding something to enjoy in the middle of it will make everything better and will make me stay consistent and just keep going and not have, um, even if, uh, you have the mindset that you won't quit and uh, you will still return. If you will be more enjoyable about what you're doing, you're still take le you, you, you will make more progress. You will not have oh, yeah. much breakdowns. Yeah. And you actually want to make progress because you're like, this is yeah. fun rather than what a lot of what you had and what a lot of people have. And I used to have this too, where it's like, Oh, this is a chore. I have to do my self-improvement. I have to prove that I'm not a piece of shit. I have to prove this and I have to do that. And it's like, that sounds painful. That doesn't sound fun. 
Why would you so make progress with something that sounds awful? Yeah. So much energy goes into just convincing yourself to do something that you that you hate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because you're telling yourself you don't like it. it. Yeah, you're telling yourself, I have to do this. Do we like doing things that we have to do? No, we're human beings. Animals don't either. Like nobody or nothing seems to like doing stuff we have to do. We don't like it. We resist it. And so if you can just literally tell yourself, no, I want to do this. I'm allowed to do this. This is a fun thing that I get to do. It's like, oh, wow, now I want to do this. Like this is cool especially if we're talking for long-term sustainability across the rest of your life. And most of us, we want to be improving for the rest of our, I don't think anyone doesn't want to improve for the rest of their life. It's like, if it sucks, if self-improvement is hard and difficult and suffering and painful, are you really going to continue that for the rest of your life? Or are you going to stop and then start and then have a breakdown and start and have another breakdown and stop again and pause and go on a break? And like, you won't be able to do it like six days a week, every single you know week. If you hadn't signed up for coaching, where do you think you'd be? I would have still been so stressed. I would have. I definitely wouldn't have started my blog and being able to share myself. That I I just wouldn't have given myself permission for a long while after that. It was just not even in my mind. I I had to have. I had. For some for someone to tell me that it is possible to mm. guide me into that, and from and I wouldn't be as peaceful, and I definitely wouldn't have this all of this immense gratitude to everything that happens around me and being able to be happy about a lot of stuff that I was really frustrated before. So a lot of mindset changes. Like I would have still been okay looking back, of course. but it would have been much more frustrating experience for a couple of years, I think, because I was not at the. I had I had to have someone to to guide me to that. I by myself I would have taken took too long time. Like I would have take, taken years uh, to get to the same point that I am right now yeah if someone's thinking about coaching but they're kind of on the fence what would you say to them do it <laughs> it is it is really it, it is life-changing you're probably going to get something that you don't even know you want you you need in your <laughs> life uh, at least uh, yeah that 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 probably will happen yeah and it is so it, it is so important to have someone nearby that really supports you and the group of people as well that supports you as well and have and working on something with you hmm. all of this experience was literally life changing yeah so it it's totally worth it you have come an incredibly long way. It really has been an honor. It yeah, really has been for me as well. Where where can people find you? You've got a YouTube channel, blog. What do you yeah, want to I have give a, to people? Yeah, I have a blog called mindsetarc.com and the channel with the same name, mindsetarc. 
And for now, it's uh, I'm doing this 365 project when I'm just talking about a lot of stuff. And, and yeah, and blog when uh, I, I still write some articles from time to time, they are more uh, quality. I, I'm trying to get more quality there or just share something and for, for people to relate. So yeah, that's how you can find me. And on the blog, there is a page where with all of my contacts as well, if someone wants to reach me as well. If someone wants coaching with you, hell yeah. 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 Sign up. That, that Dimitri is a lovely human being and I would highly recommend coaching with him. Absolutely. Like I said, man, it's been an absolute honor working with you. It, it really has been, especially that first week. That first week was a big, after that call, that was pretty impactful on me too, after that speech. So I appreciate you. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> I agree. <laughs>